circus out there. No, nah, it's just mommy and daddy podcasting. Honey. <laughs> Welcome back to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about parenting, publishing, writing, and marriage. I'm Barry Liga. With me is Morgan Baden. Hi, Morgan. How are you? I'm good. Great. Enough about you. Let's talk about me. So, I, been planning that I hate my book. Yeah, you've been saying that all weekend. I hate my book. I even tweeted about it. I don't tweet about anything. You tweet about everything. Well, Whatever. My point is, I hate my book. Um, I've mentioned this in the past, I think, just sort of as a side point to something else we were talking about. You get to a point where familiarity breeds contempt, where you have worked so hard on the book and you have read it so many times that you just, you really just don't like it anymore. Yeah. And even something that you care passionately about and something that it, at some point in your life you believed in so deeply you get to the point where you just can't stand to look at it anymore and and i keep waiting every book that i write i think i love this one so much that'll never happen right and then it does and it does but i want to dissect this a little bit so when sure. you say you hate your book yeah what is it that you're hating are you hating the, the plot line is it do you think the writing's bad do you think the whole thing is just stupid and Unoriginal? Just, what? Like, what is it exactly that I, you just? I, I just, I, I don't know that I can specify at this point. I just know that I'm in the process of rereading it. Um, I, I've been doing copy edits on it, and I'm rereading it to make sure that changes that I'm making are still flow. Yeah. That you know, pulling a thread in chapter one doesn't cause something to unravel in chapter thirty. That mm-hmm. sort of thing, and. As I'm rereading it, I'm just going, oh, I am not enjoying this. This is just not... Well, but here's the I'm thing. Just, I just don't like this. It's because this part is work. Well, I'm sure that's a part of and it, And not too. to say that the rest of it isn't, but, like, this stage in the game, you are fixing problems. That's literally all you're doing, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. No one wants to fucking fix problems. Yeah. I mean... I and, think... And also, like, no one wants to be like, oh, crap. Three people working at the publisher just pointed out problems I didn't know this had. Right, and even, I've been and, 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 and even if they're small problems, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just it's just it's annoying, it's frustrating. But I don't know. I just I get to this point with every book, and it's always really dispiriting. Yeah, you know, to put so much of yourself into something, and to know that it's going to be published at some point, and people are going to have strong feelings towards it, and to know that your last feeling before you sent it out into the world was good riddance. <laughs> you know, not there you go. But, but here's the thing. Good riddance. If, so you're saying that you feel this way at a certain point with every book, right? Well, it's not always at the same point. Yeah, okay, but that's fine. But, but I so always get to it. this point. Okay. Yeah. So with so many books under your belt, don't you get to the point where I mean, shouldn't this be a time where you say to yourself, Oh, I hate this book. Oh, but wait, don't I hate a book I hate every one of my books at some point during the process? And now I actually really love them all. So, okay, this is just a phase I go through. Don't pay too much attention to it. Don't let it get you down. It's just a phase, Barry, and move on. I wish it were that easy. You know, I have a good friend who uh, has trouble writing, let's say. Okay. Uh, it, it, it can be difficult for this person to to write. And this person's a fabulous writer, but has difficulty sometimes getting the words down and stresses about this. And the stress about it makes this person take even longer. Of course. Because you get all tied up yeah. in yourself. 
And I said at one point, well, did you have this problem with your last book? And the answer was yes. And I said, what about the one before that? And, the one, and going all the way back. And the answer was always yes. And mm-hmm. I said, those books, number one, you always finish them. Number two, they were always great. And number three, they always did well. So doesn't knowing that help you get through it? Yeah. And the answer was no, of course not. Every time it feels different. Every time it, it just, it feels hopeless in some way that it didn't before. But I guess what I'm saying is I get that, but don't you know yourself well enough by now? Know yourself as a writer well enough to, I don't know, maybe you can leave a post-it note on your computer that just says like, remember, you're going to get to a point where you hate every book you're working on. Don't let it get you down. And then that way, when you get to this point with the next book, you'll see it and be like, oh, right. I knew this. I should have known this was coming. Let me just ignore it and plow ahead. Well, Pollyanna, perhaps for normal, (laughs) well-adjusted people. I call it like, I don't know, getting through your day. Like, (laughs) you got to do it, right? I I, I like that I'm in pain and distress here and you're giving me (laughs) shit about it. I'm not. I just, I'm, and also I'm being 100% serious, which is. If this is something that happens to you in every book, what strategies can you employ to get you through it so that it doesn't weigh you down this much? I don't know. I mean, I just try to get through it. Yeah. I just try to get through it. The the thing that's most bothersome about it is not the the idea of hating the book. That's disturbing to a degree, distressing, dispiriting. But at the end of the day, like this book's going to come out and everybody should buy it when it comes out in (laughs) April, 2017, by the way, just because I hate it right now doesn't mean you should all hate it when it comes out. But the, the, the real problem is that you, you lose any sense of objectivity with the book and the subjectivity becomes extraordinarily weighted and fraught. Of course. Let me give you an example. I, there are things I'm tweaking in this book, right? And I went into reading this with a list of things that I needed to look for, a list of problems to look for. I find myself finding other things as well. Yeah. Now, are those actually problems that I need to fix that I missed and the copy editor missed and everybody missed? Or is it just that I am so it's your judgment over this book yeah. that I'm trying to fix things that don't need to yeah. be fixed? Yeah. And that's, that's a big problem. That's a practical problem because that isn't just a, oh yeah, you don't like the book, but don't worry. It's okay. It's, it's no, but what if I genuinely believe right now I can make this sentence better by doing this, but I'm actually making it worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I lack the ability to tell the difference right now. I also think that's where trust comes in, which is number one, trust yourself in terms of that's the sentence that you wrote down when you submitted the book and it worked, right? So like trust your past version of yourself that it was good and trust your editors too. Like, it's not like you wrote this book and sent it in and they're like, okay, let's publish publish it. it. Um, here's a copy editor. Like you've worked through this book several times with editorial staff, like trust them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's my book. My name is on it. Sure. And, but you both want the best book. I can still look at books that I published years ago where I see things where I'm like, oh, sure, I yeah. could have done that better. I could have fixed that, blah, 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 yeah. with, with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. And so trusting myself is at war with this idea of what if my hindsight's kicking in right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, can I catch this problem before it becomes a problem? Right. 
and and there's no way to know and it's it's exacerbated by again the familiarity breeds contempt yeah. problem of is this really a problem or am i just imagining it is because i'm so dispirited right now yeah. so you know i i don't like this it is a nasty ugly part of the of the biz a lot of writers of that course. i've spoken to go through it go through yeah. this and go through it it, it's it's a nice little uh, thing for, for all of you who are listening, who uh, aspire to be authors. You have this in your future. So, you know, you have that to look forward to. Um, so th- this book has been a bit of a different process than previous books. And maybe you're feeling that kind of anxiety, too. Yeah. Something I'm, else. There's a, there's been an added layer. I'm, on top I'm, of I'm not sure that that has anything to do with it, but it could. And yes, there was an added layer and we don't have to be too mysterious about it. Um, there's a, um, I, I, I don't want to get too specific about this because I don't want to talk too much about the content of the book. Right. I want people to discover it on their own, but there is, um, let's say there is a character, an important character in the book who I do not have much in common with culturally, ethnically, that sort of thing. And in, in the current environment, my publisher decided, my editor said, hey, we're going to get a sensitivity reader. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, sensitivity readers, it's just what it sounds like. It is somebody who reads a book or a manuscript, rather, that features their culture slash religion slash ethnicity slash race. What, what have you, uh, I could go on, but obviously you, you get the picture, uh, to see if you have inadvertently done something really stupid and offensive, okay? <laughs> and I wasn't sure how I felt about this, but what the heck, right? So my editor had somebody look at it, and then for reasons that I think I understand, but we won't go into, had a second sensitivity reader look at it as well. Mm-hmm. And this was very interesting to me because that whole process... yeah. Of at, at first, I was very resistant to it. Um, it bothered me. It felt like I was asking permission to publish my book. Yeah. It felt like we had to have, you know, like, you know, four out of five dentists recommend Trident Gum for their pay. I, I had to have four out of five people who fit these criteria approve my book before right. it could be published. And my experience has generally been that you can't make everybody happy. Um, I'll give an example of the character of Connie in I Hunt Killers. Um, you know, one reviewer was very upset that I have a moment where she wakes up and jazz looks at her and notices this silk bonnet that she sleeps in Mm -hmm. as many African-American women do to protect their hair as they sleep. And so I had her doing that. And this reviewer was very upset that I was othering Connie and making her seem strange by having jazz notice this. And I thought, Oh, I, I didn't mean that. And I don't know anything about this particular reviewer in terms of race or gender or anything. But then a reviewer who I do know is an African-American woman wrote a review saying, I got to that moment in the book and I laughed because I was sitting up in bed reading and wearing my silk sleeping bonnet as I was reading. And it meant so much to me that the author did his research and knew this about somebody like me. And I felt it was wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, there you go. Exact same moment, exact same character, exact same everything. Two very different reactions. You can't make everybody happy. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, maybe I won't make this sensitivity reader happy, but I would make... 10,000 yeah. other people happy. Who knows, right? So that was my feeling at first. And, uh, and, and, and I read the reports from the sensitivity readers, and it was, it was just an interesting experience. I, I read them, too. Yeah. It, I had thoughts with a capital T. There were really valuable things in there mm-hmm. yeah. in, in both in both of the reports. Different things, too. There, and different yeah. things, too, yeah. which was very interesting. They were two very different readers. Yeah. Um, 
very, very different things, very valuable things. There were also things that, you know, there was one point where um, this, you know, one of the readers said, oh, this, this sentence is really offensive. And I said, well, yeah, it's a comment from a YouTube troll. Right. And it's, it's supposed yeah. to, it, it's being used in as, as an example of something that somebody yeah. said that's offensive. Um, it's not a character saying it. It's not me saying it. Right. It's being, you know, it's yeah, meant to like be an I'm, I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to take, I understand it's offensive. Yes, exactly. You win. Um, it, it's a relatively new phenomenon. I think that it's, it's still in its early stages and I, I see the utility of it because you know, there were really yes. useful things that yeah. I was like, Oh, thanks. Like had no idea. That's really helpful. None of my research told me anything like that. That's really helpful. Um, you know, to their credit, both readers said, Hey, this is just one person's opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was really helpful. And, and I, I think, I, I think part of the problem is that it comes relatively late in the process. That, yeah, maybe you know? that's, and, and that's I, a really good point. And I kind of think, you know, this is one of those problems where you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You know, like if I had known what I didn't know earlier in the process, I might have requested something like this yeah. earlier in the process. And then it wouldn't have been as strange to suddenly have this book that felt very set and yeah. very done. It had gone through editorial edits, revisions. Yeah. Like it was a, it was done, yeah. you know, it was ready for copy edits. And then it was, oh, but let's look at these things. And yeah. It's like, wait, no, no, no. In my headspace, we're past this, that. We're done. This yeah. book's done. Um, and I think that, you know, if there had been a way to pull somebody in earlier, that would have been cool maybe. Um, you know, and, and maybe I should have done a better job of reaching out earlier on while I was writing the book. But, you know, I was doing a lot of research and everything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was uh, – it, it wasn't uppermost in my mind. And I did talk to people while I was right. researching yeah, everything. Yeah. It's not like I just did this on my own. But one thing that I do want to bring up that I want to cop to is that a part that, you know, one of the things I had to do was sort of take a good hard look at myself and say, you know, look, this isn't, this, this character is not you. Yeah. And maybe you do need some help with this. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is good to have these two other people, uh, take a look at this. And that was difficult for me because on the one hand, like it's my book and I want it to be reflective of me as a person. But on the other hand, like, yeah, there, there are these other elements to Mm -hmm. it that are important to reflect. And I, I kept thinking, you know, I, I had a hard talk with myself. I sat myself (laughs) down for a hard talk and I was like, you know, I, uh, I I wrote boy toy, a book about a kid who was raped. I've never been raped, but I wrote it and I nailed it. (laughs) I wrote goth girl rising about a girl, teenage girl. I've never been a teenage girl, but I nailed it. I wrote, I hunt killers with a black teenage girl girl character nailed it. And there was this part of me that was like, wow, is this hubris and ego on my part that I think, Oh, I don't need help. I can do this. Like I keep, I I kept thinking of the, the, uh, the Bill Clinton sketch on SNL years ago that Daryl Hammond did where Clinton comes out after he's, he's, uh, acquitted of everything. And he just comes out and stands at the podium and goes, I am bulletproof. Yeah. And then he's like, Next time you best bring kryptonite. You know, and I'm just like, I'm like, is that the attitude I have? Like, and 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 I'm not sure that it is, but I just had to acknowledge that maybe that's a possibility. Yeah, well, a I think that's brave to do that sort of self reflection there, especially for somebody who's not given to self reflection. Exactly, um, and I think it's necessary because, yeah, I think I think it is. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad <laughs> that you did that. I've made you speechless. No, no, no. I, I'm. I'm just thinking, you know, um, 
it's not easy to do that kind of self-work when it comes to a piece of art. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad you did. And, um, yeah, I think it's an incredible book, and I can't wait for people to read it. I hate it. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I won't hate it for long. It's a temporary thing. I know it will pass. Anyway, so there you go. That was a long sort of ramble on all of this. Um, but uh, some insight into into this sort of thing that I hope the writers and would-be writers in our audience will appreciate. So let's talk about our child. Okay. My number one favorite thing to talk about. What the hell has gone on with this kid? <laughs> it, which facet are you referring to? She, you know, sleep has suddenly become really complicated for her, which, you know, I, I don't quite understand. And it turns out that that um, recently we've been doing everything wrong. Basically, when it comes to her sleep. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because I keep, I hear my mom's words ringing in my ears every time I think about our daughter's sleep. Because my mom said the other day something along the lines of like, you know, when I had kids, you just put them to bed. Like... You didn't worry about any of this stuff. When they were tired, you, you put them to bed. <laughs> and I was like, I know, Mom. But, but like, A, I don't know that that's true. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah. But she's going to yell at me for that because every time I say to her, like, I think you just don't remember. Right. right. She, she's like, that's not true. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, our kid has some weird sleeping patterns going on yeah. these days. And it's Would very you... easy to fall back into those patterns of, like, I caught myself thinking this, and then I was like, no, that's crazy, where we, we put her to bed, right? and three times I have to go into her room and sit with her and cuddle with her and, you know, turn on her, this cute little star bunny that she has, and we count the stars and trace them over the sky and all this stuff, and... Um, I, sh- I-, I started feeling like that was normal. Like, okay, well, my kid's just not going to go to sleep until 11 every night. Right. And it's fine that I basically just sit on the couch waiting for her to yell my name and then go in there. You know what I mean? Like, right. I spend all of my nights now right. doing your, this. Right, your night is taken up going in there yeah. and, and soothing her Yeah, repeatedly. because, you know, I wasn't going in and, and laying her down and walking out. Like, I was going in for 10, 15 minutes at a time. Right, and doing that three times a night. Right, and... Like that's a long time. That's a long yeah. time. Um, but it's funny to me how quickly I found myself slipping back into like, no, that's fine. That's right. what she needs. It's fine. Yeah. And then we talked to the doctor. And the doctor's yeah, like, well, oh, you're doing it all wrong. Well, yeah. And 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 we had been thinking, oh, are we going to have to do cry it out again? Right. And I was talking to the doctor about something else entirely, and I said, well, I've got you on the phone. Can we talk about this sleeping thing? And I brought it up, and I said, do we need to do cry it out again? And the doctor was like. No, are you crazy? You can't do that at this age. Like, it's not appropriate. She's too old for that at this point. I'm like, oh, okay. And the doctor basically... Which I, I want to clarify, too, for the listeners. Like, I was not going to do cry it out again, honestly. Like, I'm fine with letting her, you know, letting her whine cry for five minutes or ten yeah. minutes and then going in to her. But, like, you know, the, I agree that she's yeah. too old. I, well, I don't think I had clarified that in my mind, but... And 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 as the and as the and again like the fact that I asked the doctor yeah. indicates that we were not of course about yeah. to do it. It's yeah. just we were wondering: is this what we have to yeah. do now? And by the way, our doctors are the ones who are like, "Cry it out" should be done starting at six weeks. So like, they <laughs> are very at six, pro. starting at six days. Do yeah. cry it out. They yeah. were very pro cry it out. Yeah. So to hear this from them, we was were like, like oh. "What?" It was like we were on Bizarro World. So you know, I the doctor basically said, "Look, the problem is she knows you're out there now." Yeah. You know, she's aware that while she's in her room, 
in the dark. You guys are out there having fun. And she wants you guys to have fun with her. So, Which, by the way, I'm reminded of that classic episode of Growing Pains. Where classic and growing pains used in a sentence together. Well, okay. it gets better because it's ahead. going to be a Chrissy episode, so you know it's not really classic. But when little Chrissy, they have the the daughter. Um, there's a whole episode that revolves around her complaining about having to go to bed before all of her older brothers and sisters. So one night, and they tr- keep trying to convince her that nothing happens when she goes to bed. They all just hang out and then go to bed themselves. So they let her stay up one night. And this, of course, it's a sitcom. So all these things happen. A circus ends up, like, marching through their living room. And she's like, I knew it! You know, so I, I always think of that, how our kid's probably in her, in her crib, like, there's a circus out there! No, nah, it's just mommy and daddy podcasting. <laughs> so the doctor told us some things that, that we could do. Um, and, uh, and we are prepared to do those things. <laughs> But it was just, you know, all the things we were going to do and all the things we had been doing were the wrong things to do. Yeah. Uh, Basically, we were like, uh, we, I mean, I was overstimulating her every time I went in to soothe her and to make, help make her more sleepy. Instead, I was like waking her up. Instead, it was rewarding her. It was, oh, I I screamed and mommy came in and played with me. Great. Right. Oh, I'll scream again and she'll come in again. And you did every time. Yep. Um, And and it wasn't just the not wanting to go to sleep at night. It was when she did finally fall asleep. She woke up one morning at 4.30. Yeah. She woke up the next morning at 5. Yeah. and we We've had some early mornings we, here. We did everything we could to put, the, to put the kibosh on that. We yeah. did everything we could because that's it's one thing if she wants to stay up until like midnight, but but then she better be sleeping till ten. But but daddy's not an attractive man and he needs his beauty sleep. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, waking up at four thirty five, whatever, not cool. So yeah, so there are things that that we need to do, and it's just weird because she has been such. A wonderful sleeper, as listeners to this show know. She's usually such a great sleeper. And suddenly Mostly. suddenly it all it all got thrown off. And we're just, you know, clawing our, clawing our way back to normal. Yeah. But we've got our fingers crossed. So, But speaking of sleeping, we were just discussing tonight um, whether she's going to have problems sleeping in our... Oh, we're going to talk about this? Da-da-da-da! Yes. New house! Morgan just did like jazz hands with that. I mean, I basically she's, just she's danced very, very excited. <laughs> yes, we are moving. Um, so uh, shows may be sporadic for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> like I would, I would say the month of June. The month of June is going to be rough. I think if we aim for two shows, that's going to be that. A that, solid that might goal. even be high. Yeah, but yes, we are moving. We are sadly booking. We Brooklyn. are decamping from uh, Brooklyn, moving outside of Brooklyn back to Morgan's home territory of new jersey um get your passports ready which guys. i've always been impressed that that for someone who's not a native speaker your english is amazing uh remember i didn't i wasn't born in new jersey so you, that, that gives me an extra layer of you, sophistication you, you grew up there though <laughs> so yes we will be moving to new jersey as happens to so many publishing people <laughs> when they have families and realize wait a minute yeah <laughs> it's really expensive living in brooklyn <laughs> And small. And small and tight, and there's not a lot of space. And as the baby gets bigger and bigger and starts trundling around the house, you yeah. suddenly begin to realize there's nowhere for her to trundle. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we're moving. And and uh, I have mixed feelings about this. I know that you don't. I love it here. I have always loved it here. Um, and, and I've lived in the suburbs before and did not <laughs> enjoy the experience. But, I mean, to clarify, 
we're not moving to the suburbs uh, necessarily. You keep telling yourself I do that. keep telling myself yeah. that. We're moving to a lovely train town with an awesome village and a downtown. Morgan, it's the suburbs. Right, just fine. the suburbs of the train. Fine. Like, t- seriously. <laughs> That's the definition fine. Okay, of suburbs. Keep going. I, I didn't until yesterday start to get some like, oh man, we're we're leaving Brooklyn feelings going on. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never loved Brooklyn the way you do. Yeah. I never wanted to live here. <laughs> I never saw myself living here. So I'm not like I'm certainly not heartbroken. Um there are certainly parts of Brooklyn I adore as we've already discussed, like the park is amazing and I will deeply, deeply miss the park. Um but yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. I've been I've been ready for a long time, as you know. You have. You have. Uh, being in this apartment for two years was a stretch for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited. You know, the thing is, when you when you have a kid, you have family coming to stay a lot. And I've always said Brooklyn is a great place. Um, it, it, Brooklyn, living in Brooklyn makes your life a bit easier when you live here in Brooklyn. Right. It makes everyone else's lives harder. Because it does. it's hard to get to. There's one teeny tiny bridge that is always backed up. There's too many people here, you know. There's no parking. So like when you're when you have a family and your extended family needs to come visit and you want them to come visit, it's always a hassle. Right. And I'm so tired of like of visits to us being a hassle for everyone else. And it's, you know, like we don't even we have a fold out sofa. For example, and we but we cannot fold it, fold it out yeah. because there's no room to fold it out. So, so literally, the only place to sleep is a fairly uncomfortable couch for sleeping. You know, and right, it's like right. for you know for the older members of our families. And, sure, and um, and and on top of that, you know, if, if that's not an option, then you know, if more than one person comes, yeah. then somebody's got to get a hotel room, which Isn't hotels insane. are not cheap yeah. here. And yeah, no, it, it's definitely that is that is those are all big problems. There's no question. And so we have, you know, I, I had hoped that maybe at some point we would buy a place here mm-hmm. that would have more room, but, uh, and you may have driveway. heard, you may have heard the, the real estate market here is <laughs> unbelievably <laughs> insane. Um, and, uh, the, it's just crazy. And, you know, if you go outside the city, you can, get a hell of a lot more for mm-hmm. your money. And uh, and I think we're both happy with the place that we found. I think we are both... Uh, I mean, I'm thrilled you with know, the place it, we found. It, I, uh, I can't speak it has, for you. It has plenty of room. Yeah. Um, and a great village and a downtown area. So we're not... And, and, you know, we're not giving up civilization here. No, no. Um, it's close enough to the city that your commute will not be right. horrible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's going to be an adjustment. Yeah. But, but anyway, we were we were wondering, like, how how, how is Leia going to sleep in a new house? Right, right. Um, but I was saying, she actually, I mean, she slept in a lot of different places. She slept in a variety so. of different places. She's usually fine. Yeah. I think the fact that it will be her crib. Right. It'll All everything will be familiar except for the actual room itself. Yeah. I think she'll be fine. I, I mean think, frankly she's the best room in the house. <laughs> I she love does. Her, her room her her bedroom <laughs> it is has this great little nook. Amazing. It's got a little nook closet. and it's like you could put like a little chair there or a beanbag chair or something, a little reading nook yeah. with a little bookshelf there. I'm sort of jealous. I'm basically gonna kick her out and just move in there myself. I can see that happening. Yeah. I can see that happening. <laughs> so yeah, so we will be doing that. Uh, nothing else is changing. I mean, you yeah. know, uh, you're still 
yeah. in publishing. I'm still in publishing. Yeah. Like we're still doing all the same stuff. We're just moving. We just won't be coming to you from Brooklyn. We just will not be broadcasting from Brooklyn anymore, which is too bad. But you know, we're going to have a little better podcast studio, I think, true, in the new true. place, as opposed to what we have right now, which is a cramped office with a TV table <laughs> <laughs> with a microphone on it. So and like a car seat and extra pillows and bedding sitting yeah. piled high next to me. It's well, that, very... that's that's all to baffle sound. That's yeah. that's soundproofing sure. so that we don't get. Echoes on the podcast. That's all intentional. So, yeah. And I will have my own office, which will be nice. I have not had my own office in a long time. What? Like four years? Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, Four or five years? Yeah. Four or five years. Something like that. So that'll be nice to have my own office with a door that I can close and shut out the world as I like to do. Um, So, yeah. We'll be doing that. And and we will report on that as well. Yeah. the, The change in... In, in moving out of the city and, and seeing what that's like um, and as it impacts everything else. So anyway, I think that's it for this week. Uh, we will be back next week. There will be a show next week. Don't yeah. worry about that because we're, we're not moving yet. So the chaos has not begun yet, but there will be a show next week. And, uh, and again, Morgan's going to be at uh, SCBWI in that's New right. Jersey. Yeah. Um, we put a link in the show notes last week. We'll throw another one in this week. They're cheap. And uh, <laughs> if you are at that show, go Let say hi know. to her. Yeah. Go up to her. Say Please. hi. Say I listen to your podcast. She'd love to, to see you. So. And then I'll apologize profusely for your listening to it. And Wow. And then wow. we can go grab a drink at the bar. There you go. <laughs> all right. Or chicken wings, as we said last That's week. Right. Chicken, wings. chicken wings. Chicken wings. All right. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Uh, please visit us online at writinginreallife.com. Leave feedback. Uh, follow us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. And go to iTunes. Give us a rating. Leave a review. We love that. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.